going to live stream. You watch this. I'm going to start hearing my voice all over again. It's going to fucking freak me out. Setting up your meeting for YouTube live. Why is it taking this long? All right. And we're live. I've turned off the uh, pop-up, which means I don't have to hear myself, which is absolutely fantastic. Welcome to the No Trust This Podcast Euro 2020 plus one review. I'm your host, Stel. I've got Rodri Giggs, Steve Air, and Double D from the DD Footy Factory. Look at this guy wearing his New York Yankees cap, all camouflaged <laughs> and all that. You love to see it. <laughs> this guy, he's come prepared, dressed like a roadman. Yes. <laughs> oh, liberties. For roadman banter. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, everything. Rod, oh, you good? Yeah, good, you? Yeah, I love the t shirt, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, my dog got me this for Father's Day. Oh, I thought, do you know what? For a second, uh, it cut out, and I thought you said, My dog got it for me for Father's Day, right? <laughs> like, you've no, trained this dog yeah. too well, man. <laughs> he was like, What do we what do I get someone who's, who's like, well, just what do I get a guy so that takes me for walks and all that? <laughs> yeah, so she knows I watch Talking Soprano, so nice, yeah. nice. I wish my daughter was that thoughtful. But then again, she got me a best dad trophy, which I'm I'm bragging well, about. My, to my, this day. My, my daughter's 20, your daughter's six, seven. 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 Yeah. yeah, so give her time. So, 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 yeah. Still had a job with you. Give my daughter time. She'll be buying me a t-shirt with saying, My dad is a cunt. <laughs> Jesus. Steve, how do you doing, mate? Good mate, yeah, I can tell you where you can get them t-shirts as well. What's going on? What's going on, man? What's going on? Oh, yeah, we're good. Uh, uh, yeah. We shaking um, your head for yeah. it's your yeah. first appearance we'll get, on, we'll on, we'll get, on the we'll No Chofters we'll, podcast, man. It's your we'll first get. appearance and you're shaking your head. This is embarrassing. No, we were spoke. We were spoke yesterday. I've been. I've been underwhelmed by what I've seen today. But at least England got the result in it. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, man! What do you expect? You can't have. You can't have it all, D. Come on. Well, look. I tell you what. There's there's one place we should really start, and that's that's England who beat Germany two 0 But do you know what? Before before we we discuss this match, there's something I, I really want to get into. And D, you, you're you're going to be ready for this because I warned you about this, right? On Twitter today, when it's probably the worst place to ever look for people's opinions and for statistics and that kind of stuff because everyone's got a hot take. I was seeing people criticising Gareth Southgate's system. Why are you playing three at the back? Why are you playing wing-backs? Why are you playing Trippier as a wing-back? Why are you playing Luke Shaw? And I'm sitting there thinking, here you have Gareth Southgate, who, fair enough, you know, he's being criticised and people are, are well within their rights to criticise him, but you got England to a World Cup semi-final. And I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well... Germany obliterated Portugal, who were one of the favourites. Most of Germany's goals came from Portugal's right-hand side, uh, Germany's left. So maybe in Gareth Southgate's mind or his team did their research and they decided, well, if we're going to play with a wing-back, we'll play with a wing-back that can defend in Kieran Trippier. And maybe if we play a right-sided centre-back, we'll play Carl Walker because he can cover. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's, he's done it. He's absolutely done it. They played a left wing back that can defend in Luke Shaw because he's more prepared than Chilwell and he got his system right. And all of a sudden, the the Twitter licensed A-League coaches, or what you want to call them these days, they've shut their mouths, haven't they? See, this is the problem. People have got hot takes because they do it for attention or people just put out things just to, you know, troll or whatever fact is they can go to as many barbecues and as many networking events as they want they can fuck off when it comes down to this kind of talk steve talk to me about england's system today please mate because i think southgate got it absolutely bang on absolutely bang on of course he did uh, because of the result and it's another game where they've kept a clean sheet and not conceded still i think uh, we all like to be excited um, and I think they looked at the wing-back system of Germany with their wing-backs being pretty much, you know, attacking players in Kimmich and, and Goosens and ours being um, stay-at-home full-backs who, who can just adventure every now and again. So I think the supporters, not all, but some probably thought that was a negative, that we were playing defenders and they were playing attackers and that was giving Germany the advantage. But I think we've got more pace 
um, with Sterling um, in particular playing as he is. Kane, obviously, um, leaving holes for other people to run into. And obviously, Saka, with his performance the other night, merited another start for him. So it looked like they wanted to invade behind Kane. Uh, hopefully, Kane draws centre-halves out of the positions. And uh, it doesn't matter who we were going to play in the wing-back areas, because obviously, we knew that they could do a, a defensive job. And, um, you know, we were hopefully going to nick it without ever trying to be expansive or win a game 3 4 5 nil because you don't need to. And uh, you've got to say everybody is keeping their side of the street clean still and, and lads because in, in terms of housekeeping, um, nobody's been sparkling other than Sterling uh, because of what he's achieved. But everybody's just keeping their own house in order and, and playing well, which includes obviously Pickford, Stones, you know, Maguire in particular. They're all just coming in and doing their job and uh, it's enough at the moment. I agree, Matt. And do you know, I'm going to put this question to all of you because Raheem Sterling had a little bit of a, a bumpy end of the, the, the season with Man City. And he's been called up to the England squad and a lot of people had their own opinions, which is fair enough, whether he should or should not be playing. But he's come in, scored three goals in the, the competition. What do you guys think has brought this, this uh, renaissance on? Because it's obviously a purple patch, but what a perfect time to have this purple patch during a competition. Wait to the lads. I think you've got a uh, you've got to look at Gareth Southgate. You know, you go back to um, he, he, I Terry Venables. That the story was that he, he he let Alan Shearer know two or three months before the Euros that he was going to be his number nine. He was going to be playing for him. Maybe Gareth Southgate's had that chat with Sterling, give that extra confidence, give him that extra boost that he needed, and he's played. He's never let England down. So he, you know, he's, he, never mind how, how he's played for City. You know, he's, he's his man for England. He's never let me down. So you're going to play and you're going to start. And maybe he's had that conversation and you've seen the results from it. Dee, what's your take on, on Raheem Sterling? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to come on here and I'm not going to lie to the um, to you guys and lie to the people. Because of his form, I was surprised he even started the um, Champions League final. So because of his form, I wanted him and Rashford nowhere near the starting lineup because I thought they were both not in form. But Sterling shut me up. He's not been all round an outrageous performance, but because Kane has looked so off the pace, Sterling has made the runs that we expected Kane to make. So his goal against Croatia, good running through behind, got a bit of luck with it going in off the goalkeeper, but he was in the right position. You get the shot on target, anything could happen. His goal against Czech Republic as well, that's the run you expect Kane to make. He's popped in, so he's come in, been in the right place, um, to get the goal today, the first goal against Germany. And it's funny because whether I opened up, I still was alluding to social media or I opened up um, WhatsApp, whatever. Everyone was absolutely pamming still um, Sterling. Like he was the only one that wasn't necessarily having a great game because I didn't think England took control properly of the game until like the 55th or 60th minute um, because Germany started the second half, the first five to 10 minutes, like they smelt blood and they were going to come and, and they were going to strike. But, What's put the renaissance on to answer the original question? I, I don't know, but as you said, trust in Southgate. Sometimes there's some managers that can get the best out of you. And before Southgate was in charge, Sterling's um, goal-scoring record for England was was piss poor, without, if we're going to be real about it. And he's got him scoring some of the qualifiers, Nations League games, and now three out of England's four goals in the competition, he's doing his thing. Um, many years ago, I remember the likes of Henry Winter saying that they think that, he, regardless of how good Kane and others are, they think he's the most important player. And his movement he was maybe doing too much on the ball earlier on in the game, but he grew into the game. And I didn't, I thought England playing with three at the back, wing backs, and a double pivot would really, I thought it was too negative to be honest beforehand. But hindsight's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's, it's worked perfectly in the end. They managed the game. And they've got the 2-1. No Stell, I think I've got it, mate. Oh, mate. I think I've got the difference between City and England. Are you there, mate? Go on, go on, shoot. Yeah, I think Manchester City obviously don't really don't play with wing backs. They push their full backs into narrow areas, they push them into midfield. Mm -hmm. And I think this suits 
uh, Raheem Sterling perfectly this England setup because he's being asked to basically play in a left pocket uh, as opposed to outside left winger. Manchester City want to make the pitch deep, wide, long. And if you look at the Champions League final, he was actually picked to try and stop Rhys James going forward and played on the outside shoulder of Rhys James all match. And Rhys James pocketed him. For England, he's playing 15 yards inside in a pocket because the wing-backs, Shaw, Trippier or whatever, they've got the full-back coming onto them. They can deal with that. They can manoeuvre that, that. And Sterling can make those runs into the middle of the penalty area. He scored three goals basically in the six-yard box. He was never going to be able to, in the middle of the six-yard box, really. He was never going to do that in the Champions League final against Chelsea because he was literally playing wide left. Now, people will say he's playing left wing for England, but just because it's wide left and left wing, they mustn't ever believe that it's actually the same position because for England, he's playing 15, 20 yards inside. He's thickening the middle of the pitch up. He's not too concerned about what the right back does. Gareth Southgate has, has set that up and that allows him to run past Kane and be a centre forward. That's why he's actually, Rodri will tell you, the three goals he scored are centre-forwards goals. So I do believe positionally, left wing for Man City and left wing for England are actually two different roles, Rod. Yeah, he's, he's, he, if you look at his goal, he's actually on the right-hand side, so he's allowed to drift in as well and drift over to the other side. So yes. he started on the right-hand side, cut in, and, and obviously got, it's gone out wide and then he's got his, got his goal and followed the, followed the ball. But yeah, he's... If you if you got if you've been told to to hug the touchline and yes. and and start wanting to do a job yes and yeah there's, there's, lim there's limitations what you're going to there's limitations what you're going to achieve from the touchline in it Rod yeah yeah exactly so it, it's just slightly changed but you know it's probably a, a role that probably suits him better where so, probably the, where if it, if he was hugging the touchline it probably probably suit Rashford better to be honest. Yeah. Does anyone want to see a hot take right now? <laughs> Look at that. Can you see that? Yep. There you go. Ray <laughs> Parler. Raheem Sterling's so, bang out of form. Out of Southgate form. can't pick him for England. This was 29 days ago, ladies and gentlemen. 29 it's, 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 an, it's an easy... It's, it's just... An, an, it's lazy and it's easy. It's an easy... To say because of his his, his form with, with City, but when you look at the bigger picture and you look at how Spurs has broke down what his position and how it's different and how he'll be more involved and more in the game, and that's obviously showed. But you know that's why Ray Palace on, on talk sport and not coaching or managing or. Rodri City make though that width enormous and the best benefactor of it has been Gundogan for the gaps that it leaves in between a fullback and a centre half England are doing it differently and they want Sterling to run into those gaps and thank God he is yeah because if you see that it's the two centre two centre midfielders as well they, they, they were, they're, they're quite deep so it leaves a lot of space for them as well to to roam about and to get into yeah. little pockets as well yeah having the time of his life I'll show you a lot another hot take while, while we're on the subject. People slagging Kane off, but he was disciplined as well by stay, staying, you know, he didn't have much of the ball, but he didn't drop deep as much as he had did. He stayed disciplined. Yes, he didn't get too much of the ball, but it allowed Sterling other players to get in their little pockets and get in on, on the ball. There you go. All right, well, let's uh, quickly talk about a few other players. Uh, I think Luke Shaw's outstanding. I know Harry Maguire got the man of the match award, but I think Shaw was absolutely brilliant. Him and Joshua Kimmich, now that was some battle, wasn't it, D? Yeah, definitely. I thought Shaw grew into the game. I was a bit underwhelmed by him in the first half, but the second half, he played the role perfectly and great weight on the um, on the pass for the, um, for the Sterling goal. Because funnily enough, if I was to give my own team before the game and you told me he was not going to play a five, I would have preferred it to be Chilwell. But Shaw did the job perfectly because what, yeah, everyone in England grew to the game realistically because earlier on, especially in the first half, it looked as though Germany could just play one pass and get in. And Werner had one or two ones when he was on the shoulder, but they just dealt with everything so well in the, um, in the end. But um, we have to say as well, though, that 
I, I think this year might be the year because when Muller is missing chances like that, when Sterling gave the ball away, uh, I think it's, it's a sign because Thomas Muller... Stop never, it. Muller never misses. Behave Mullen, yourself. <laughs> I'm just going to say, Muller never misses those. So I was like... I was confused. Still, like fifteen minutes after the game, I was like, "Wow, <laughs> what a miss!" There was a big gap there, and for him to miss the target, I was shocked. <laughs> Especially him yeah, to miss yeah. the target. Yeah, of all people, you would think like if Werner did it, we, we've come accustomed to that. Watching Pickford, him, Pickford you know, did but, his best to leave a big gap for him, but yeah, he missed it. Pick, Pickford plays better for England than he does for bloody Everton. His arms grow two more inches, don't they? <laughs> Possibly for England, he doesn't have as much to do as he does for Everton. Makes, yeah, himself, make, makes himself big, a bit better at commanding his box and whatnot. That, I'll tell you what, don't, you could see it was straight in line with him. That save from that Havertz volley, so many times you've seen keepers get a hand on that and it's still flying to the roof of the goal. So he did well, strong arm for once because... Um, he does some random things. He does, mm, he does right. some random things in goals. Absolutely. And, and Steve, Harry Kane's goal, that was a striker's finishing. Great improvisation as well, man. Well, it was brilliant. Uh, first of all, I would just like to mention in back play, um, you know, to do it on the big stage, the ball only rolled over five yards and ten yards, but um, Sterling, Kane, Grealish, and then obviously the best pass from Shaw. So many things had to go right under pressure against a world-class team um, for, for Sterling's goal. And then the same when it went to Grealish. There was just there was just 10-yard passes in and around the box that were all perfect, um, perfect weight, like I said before. And obviously the final final ball in from Grealish was, was a dream. Brilliant for Kane that he obviously was onside because I think we were worried at first. But then when he wheeled off to the corner flag, he knew he was onside. And when it slowed down later, the run was perfect, the cross was perfect. And obviously the jubilation was uh, everything to match. So uh, delighted for him because it must have been playing on his mind. Even his effort in the first half, people are overanalyzing it now. Should he have gone first time with his left? Should, um, you know, uh, one of the commentators, he should have took it early with his right foot, but there was too much pace on the ball for him to take that one early in the first half. Everything was being analysed. So that should just take some pressure off now, take the odd knife out of his back, and we should love him again, hopefully, you know, through, through to Saturday and, and beyond. And Rod, what happens to the Germans? What happens to them? Because every time they have a shocking tournament, they regroup, they go back to the basics, they bring in their youngsters. Hansi Flick is coming in for the smelly finger guy. So uh, are we going to see Germany in, in next year, really? Because they've only got a year till... till well, I think, they're still, I think they're still in that transitional period. They're still, they've got a Game very... Over. Game over here. Sorry, Rod. Game well, over here. Your crane scored... <laughs> Oh boy, who's got it? Who's In the got it? last minute. Wow. Last minute. Who scored it though? Who scored for Ukraine? Which player? It's, it's, I, I've literally just looked over my shoulder. I, I'm, still, I'm still on 30 minutes, so there's nearly one else. Oh boy. Oh so, boy. Oh so where was that? Yeah, sorry, lad. I can't, I can't remember where I was. Oh, the Germans, the Germans will be back. Yeah, yeah. I, think still, I think they're still in, in, in transitional period. Uh, as it as it is, you know, they still got they've got a very very good under twenty one and under twenty three side. So I think you'll see some of them come up. You you might see some, you know, you might not see Thomas Muller next year for the World Cup. You you, you just don't know. But um, yeah, you you, you know they, they're unlucky. They've come against a good England side. Well, no, let's have it right. England are no mugs. They're, they're, they're a very good side. Very strong squad. You know, a wealth of talent on the bench to, to come on, and um, which which we we seen with with Grealish, and with his quality of, of cross. So, and his involvement in the first, in the second first and, and the second goal. So, yeah, I wouldn't be too. You know, it, like I say, it's, it's it's a very good England side and in Germany. If Thomas Muller puts that away, you know, things could have been very very different. So, they put up a good fight, but England just about far too. Two on the day. All right, so that's it. England are through to the next round. Looks like they're playing Ukraine, who've, as you guys have just said, have scored a literally last minute winner against Sweden. Welcome to uh, Theo and Sam in the chat at the moment. 
Theo says Ukraine through with two minutes left, but yeah, it looks like that's it. So England, Ukraine next round. Let's go to another game involving a, a British nation, Rod and Wales. Well, the Boyos uh, dismantled by Denmark. Although, to be fair, the opening 10, 15 minutes, Wales were on top. And had it not been for a tactical change by Denmark, putting an extra man in the middle of the park, story could have been different. But listen, it's been a, a great tournament for Wales. History made again. All right, not as successful as 2016, but another nation effectively in in transition without a head coach, really? Yeah, I think um, you, you've seen what, what, what Stez touched upon. You might have seen what Stez touched upon with lack of big game experience. And, you know, when, when Denmark changed it, with the old manager coach with experience, it changed it as well when it started getting on top. So um, it's a different one. It's a difficult one, but, you know, they've done, we're just happy to get to, to the to the finals and, and to get through to the group stages and added bonus. You know, the semi-finals was great 2016, but they really think we was going to get to the semi-finals again. Yes, we had a chance, but, you know, Denmark, uh, uh, you know, have had a, you know, rocky Euros, let's, let's have it right, with, with the first game and, and they've come back strong and, and they went to come away deserving winners in the end. And, no, no slagging off the players. They give it the best they could. Uh, and we just hope they learn from it and, and grow from it and qualify for the World Cup next year. Well, I know a lot of people were talking about Gareth Bale and, you know, whether or not he's going to continue playing for the national team. That's that's by the by at the moment. And obviously at full time, he was really pissed off and he, he didn't really want to talk to anyone. But do you think, do you think deep down he was disappointed with his teammates because of the performance overall? Because while it really wasn't a 4-0 scoreline, because I don't see, I don't think Denmark were that dominant for you to say, yeah, they, they weren't at the 4-0. It's like they every time they hit the boy, it went in the back of the net, really. Um, do you think Bell was more pissed off with his teammates because of the performance rather than the result? Um, no, you've got to look at a lot of things. We've touched it before, Still, You know, Denmark played every game at home and then travelled 300 miles on a coach. Wales went to Italy, for Baku, to, to Italy, to, to work to Amsterdam. So they've travelled a lot. And I told you before, this it, it drains you, especially when you're playing three or four days every every day. I mean, every three or four days you're playing a game. You know, it, it takes it out, especially when you're travelling. You know, you just want to... When you, if you're where Denmark, they would have been played a game, recover, relax, chill out, no travelling. You know, everything's the same. They're more or less at home. So that's got to come into it as well. They, they looked a lot fresher, a lot more intense uh, and just it just caught up Wales, plain and simple. OK, fair enough. And Dan, um, it's, as Rod said, it's been a, a topsy-turvy tournament for the Danes. Um, started off quite rocky and then they just picked up the momentum. Lost to Belgium, but obviously got through to the next round. They're now in the uh, quarterfinals. Can they replicate 1992? I know it's a bit of a, an open question, which a little more close question, should I say that many have been asked before, but they, they do look decent enough to at least get to semifinals, right? Def definitely. They've surprised me because I thought without their talisman, without Ericsson, that they would struggle for goals, but they've gotten banged in four in back-to-back -back games. But, um, yeah, they just punished, as you said, they just punished Wells because I can't think of a bag of saves that Danny Ward had to make, but they just put the ball, they were just clinical. I mean, the first goal, the game was in the balance, but that first goal by Casper Dolberg was just a brilliant finish. And he was only playing because Yusuf Paulson's out, but um, was out of the game. But, yeah, they, they just punished Wells. But could they do... I'm not sure about winning it, winning it again, like, 92, but... They definitely, yeah, they could reach semi-final. They, 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 the team spirit is just there, and it's like they just want to do. They want to do it. They spurred on by wanting to do it for Eric for Ericsson. So, who knows what they could? Who knows what they could do? Who knows that they've got a great keeper in Schmeichel, and they're just everyone's just playing for each other. And that Damsgaard looks decent. And yeah, they do, they do, they do. You never know. You never know. This tournament before I said this is why. I was saying before the tournament that this was England's best chance because I don't feel there was any standout team. So you never know. 
You never know. I'm not counting it out, but I don't think so, but I'm not counting it out at all. All right. Well, Denmark faced uh, Czech Republic in the next round. Czech Republic beat the Dutch 2-0. And before we talk about the game itself, Sam has asked a question because Frank De Boer has stepped down as head coach of the Dutch national team, which shouldn't really come as a surprise because De Boer seems to run whenever shit hits the fan. Um, He's asked, what next for Holland? With De Boer moving on also, who is the best place to take the job? Now, I don't know if there's any candidate straight away, really. Ruud van Nistelrooy, um, no, he was in it. Ruud van Nistelrooy, he was in it. He was, he was in it. 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 No. No, no, no. No. Dan, any any ideas, mate? Unlike, unlikely. Um what about Philip Koku? He's out of job. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's probably that's probably a likely candidate to be honest with him, having not got any work since Derby. I just do a madness and get oh. right and get Rikard out of retirement or something. I can't really think of anyone. <laughs> but do, do you think you'd want to do that, especially with this generation? The funny thing is, though, is that with most of these players, Kuman had the same lot, and they looked brilliant under Kuman. They beat Germany mm. twice, and they were just battering teams week in, week out when the qualifiers and um, came about. So, I don't know. Maybe to an extent, the war's inept, but obviously, no Van Dyke there is huge, and the Lick was getting himself sent off. They didn't do themselves. They didn't do themselves any favors here. Mm. Van Dyke, Van Dyke's a massive loss from by the sounds of it and what I'm hearing. You know, it's it's not good. His, his knee's not mending. Really? Mm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So well, if you don't see if you don't see him start start the season, yeah, I don't think then, oh dear. I don't think well, he'll be the same player. Sam suggested Burkamp, but I've got another name, um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. He was final a- manager two occasions. I think he where was he where was he coaching did he, now? Did he is he in China? Did he go to the MLS or China or something like that? Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, where is he? Du, 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 du. Is it Guangzhou? Yeah, but he was. I thought, I thought. Oh, he's left. He's, yeah. he's left. Yeah, yeah. He's been at these games. Hmm. He's been at these games. He's been. He's been. He's been in 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 in, in a uniform, not tracksuit. He's been looking like a, like a delegate. Um, he's been seen at the games. Him, he's part. Of, he's part of something. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, this in, he's in the setup somewhere. He's he's yeah. he's, he's, he's he's not lurking because he's he's got a privileged place. But he's uh, he, he's he's been around the, the fixtures. I'm sure I've seen his his mugshot on the TV. Yeah, he did. He, he was at finals. I think he was at finals. They did quite well under him, to be honest, with the limited budget. So yeah, yeah. Well, look onto this game then, Steve. Um, I guess the main the turning point was. When Delict got sent off, and the yeah. thing is, when you look at a defender that has gone come through Ajax's academy, has moved to to uh, Juventus, right, a, a league where they're technically gifted defensively, and the one thing we say about defending, and it, uh, you don't let the ball bounce, he let the no. ball bounce three times before deciding to to push it away. I mean, that is criminal. Well, yes, um, and the best thing he does is attack the ball from attacking set plays. But he always gives you the feeling that he's going to give the opposition a chance, and that's been proven again. He's uh, he's like a posh centre half. He's not a centre half that actually completely um, sorts centre forwards out. He's uh, he, he has passion and heart, but he's not really intimidating. He doesn't really fill his kit, and he gives himself uh, you know handicaps and hurdles because you know you know it's it's fragile. It's almost I tell you what it is, Stel. It's like what we thought of John Stones a year ago. Uh, I always get that feeling within that, yeah, he's a good player and he's worth his place, but he's right on the edge of a mistake. He's right on the edge of looking soft. He's really fragile. Now, it looks like Stones has come through that, hopefully, and uh, he never never revisits again. But I believe this um, delay is, is, is really hampered by this. And I don't know what you think, lads, but, you know, the slip is an error. You can definitely class that as human error. And obviously what he did next was like, you know, spur of the moment impulsive. But I can't imagine ever, you know, especially these days with VAR, 
you know, hoping to get away with a grab like that. I, I, I think I'd just take my chance. The guy still got to score, running and score from the left-hand side of the penalty area, past your goalkeeper. Um, in hindsight, you may as well let him do that rather than have the double jeopardy of going down, with, you know, with, with, to 10 men. So I understand the slip and, I, and you know, I could never get any real criticism from me for that. But the grab with the hand to stop the attack was, uh, was basically cheating. So I didn't like it. What what was that though, Steve? Was it down to um, a lack of concentration? Was it a player that was just so caught up in the moment, the pressure? Yeah. What, what do you think it was down all, to though? All of it, which will stop him being, he's already moved for a fortune, but it will stop him being an elite centre half. He's not that. He's a an inter, you know, he, 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 he's an international centre half. That's it. The end. At the moment, John Stones is an improving international centre-half. He's getting better every single cap. But he's not an elite centre-half like the ones, we, you know, like the Italy guys, you know, obviously. Um, even Maguire is a step up now because of his doing it in tournaments and they couldn't wait to get him back into this. But this delay, he's just holding himself back by just showing this fragile nature and these, these errors like I say, that uh, others have suffered with in the past and some get through and some don't. Looks like Stones has. Looks like this fella won't to me. That's a good so, point you make about... Sorry, still, that you no, say, Steve, that you're making about Stones and that the growth and maturity. Because in the second half, was it um, Guzon's got him on the edge of the box and he cut in and the Stones was able to kind of lead him towards the byline, whereas before yeah. Stones might dive in. Or yeah. whatever. So he's learning, he's, he's getting better, he's just improving. Well, that. You know and, mm. and it's a good spot for you, but interesting as well, it looked fairly straightforward what you've just mentioned there, but did you mm. see how Kyle Walker celebrated that? Yeah, exactly, because they <laughs> probably didn't believe in him and that's his yeah, teammate. Celebrated, <laughs> celebrated it as though it was a goal because it was such a big moment and, 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 and as you quite rightly say, mm. it was so well played. Yeah, he's improving, man. But yeah, but Sam in the chat says it feels like Delete has been bringing some of his big move anxiety from Serie A. Agree with Steve's John Stones comparison, and Theo says it was stupid from Delete. He panicked and cost the Netherlands, and I agree <clears throat> that effectively was a turning point. And from then, Czech Republic, it, it, it was all the checks, really, wasn't it? And and Dan, let's be hundred percent honest, man. I I felt that this would be a victory for the Dutch, not because I took Czech Republic for granted, but I think. Because the pressure was off the Dutch, this would be a, a good uh, performance. It would be solid. But the moment that red card occurred, that was it. Game over. And Hollis scored a fantastic goal. And then Schick yeah. wrapped it up. He's been a sensation in this tournament, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, Schick's, Schick's, Schick's been on it, man. Schick's been on it. But, um, yeah, nah, they, that, yeah, the sending off. It would have been so interesting to see what would have happened if the sending off never happened. But because it did, you just you just knew one team were going to win. The Czechs have been on it. Their worst performance was against England. But that's because they knew that, worst case scenario, that they would have qualified anyway. Um, but no, they, they look decent. These teams are organised. So this is, it could be... It could be one of these countries that end up winning it just for the, the heart and the organisation that they're showing is such an open tournament. But yeah, Holland... Shades of Euro 96, yeah? <laughs> Holland, you knew they had goals in them, but there was just something you just felt there. Yeah. You just felt that they were going to come. You just felt that they were going to come undone. But we'll never know what would happen if that sending off didn't happen. But now the Czechs are a good team. Suchek... In there, you've got Kufal, right back, bombing on. They've got some good players. They've got some decent one or two youngsters as well. They've got the crowd, the midfielder, Holsek, um, the forward guy that they can bring up. So they've got some decent players so they can mix it up. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, and that's what the word interesting, which you, you bring me a beautiful segue here. Um, Italy against Belgium in the next round. Oh. Italy beat Austria 2-1. Belgium beat... The Portuguese 1 0. Rod, uh, blimey, where do we go with this one with uh, Belgium? Because it wasn't one of those games where it was it was end to end stuff. It's almost as if, uh, I don't know, Portugal were kind of playing for penalties. I know people are going to disagree with me on that, but it, that's how it seemed for me anyway. I don't think Portugal had much going forward in the midfield. Okay, Renato Sanchez had a good game, but it's almost as if. You know, they knew their level and they knew that Belgium could hurt them and it was just a matter of time. And I think Lukaku had a good game against uh, Diaz as well. 
Well, you, you know, you, 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 you can't be too gun-ho when you've got, you know, Hazard, Hazard, Lukaku, and they're kind of cute as well, the way they kind of hang about in space, ready for, the, you know, to the, the breakaway. So, yeah, it's, you know, the world's best team, so um, it's, it's a difficult game. They were the favourites in, in the first place, and it was the tough game. They're playing Belgium, you know, arguably the best player went off, and, and they still come out on top. So, yeah, they, you know, that's it's whoever wins this one is, is probably going to the final and going to play England. Really. You'd be a field to bet against it, wouldn't you? If, yeah, if, it, well, if it's not Belgium or Italy in the final, it's it, you know, if England don't make the final with their pathway that they've got now, they're playing Ukraine, who have just played 120 minutes, mm-hmm. got travel from Scotland mm-hmm. to Rome, mm-hmm. which is a four hour flight. Yes, but no England fans are allowed. In Italy, that's still they played a full twelve months without fans. That shouldn't bother them now. They, that, they should be in a zone now. You know, all like Stead said before, they all seem to know the job. Do your job, and, and this is our, this is you know we go back to Wembley, and then you know it's in our favour. So yeah, they're, they're, in there, it's in, if they get beat off Ukraine, then you know. They'll never ever forget it. It'll be the biggest letdown of an England side ever. All the games have been at Wembley. We've heard all the songs, all the all the songs outside the stadium. Sometimes, kind of th- sometimes things line up, mate. It's like the Denmark at, at the minute. You know, they've had a well, the first game, but you know, they seem to be getting into the groove now. But same as England. This is why I worry about teams who start off. Lightning quick in tournaments. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm. Okay. Well, Steve, tactically, um, Belgium got it spot on. Um, they went with a 3 4 2 1. The Portuguese went with a 4 2 3 1, but effectively, Moutinho was tucking in from the number 10 role into a third midfielder. Now, we know how well Tielemans and Witzel are on the ball. Witzel is, is very comfortable sitting in front of any kind of defensive line where it'd be three men or back four two with two central defenders but what do you think the Portuguese thinking was with this in this respect because when you look at De Bruyne and Hazard they had free roles uh, Lukaku was always going to be a nuisance so do you think playing the three in midfield kind of hindered Portugal from an attacking standpoint? Yeah I do and obviously I think I think uh, all their game plan is to try and get Cristiano Ronaldo on the ball uh, putting the ball in behind for him to run onto, I think, as he's over. Um, we know he's this superhuman athlete, but I don't think he wants to run before the ball gets there. And I think that's probably cost Bruno Fernandes his place uh, because he likes to chip the ball behind defences and Ronaldo wants everything to feet these days. So uh, I think it's one or the other. And we have to say, I think we all love Fernandes, but there's only going to be one winner there. Uh, and I just don't think that, that you know, Fernandez playing a safe pass into Ronaldo's feet. They just saw somebody better in changing the, the personnel ever so slightly. Uh, it moved Bernardo Silva high onto the right wing. Um, and I just think they've got one way of playing and they hope that, that all the team can get Ronaldo on the ball and they just hope that Jota can manage to control the ball and actually see a teammate because I've been so shocked with him. Um, huge heart. Uh all legs, all arms, no vision, clumsy touch. He's missed out on passing to the world's best player half a dozen times. And you can never really criticise anybody for over-trying, but this is a classic case, Stel. I was shocked. You know, I sound a bit like Roy Keane here. I'm not necessarily going to call Jota an imposter, but I thought he was a better footballer than I've seen in this tournament. And of course, he's in a central position in the thick of the action. And you need your centre-forward to bring it again. Rodri will tell you, you need your centre-forward to um, score you the goals, ideally. But you also need your centre-forward to bring the rest of the team into the game. And he's looked hopeless. So I don't think they had any real attacking verve because Ronaldo played in pockets. He played off the side. And obviously, you're always going to mark him tight. 
And I just don't think they could find him with the ball. And I just actually, I don't think they could build anything because I thought Jota was that bad with the football. I'm going to ask a question, which a lot of people might think I'm completely stupid, but do you think Cristiano Ronaldo's presence is actually kind of like a hindrance to some of these players? Maybe they're in awe of him. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, same as as Cruz for Germany. Uh, You know, it it shouldn't be, but you know, he's your best player. So, in the positions that that he got in, you know, he should be looking. Well, he's he disappeared. Should, <laughs> there he is. No, the position that he's, he's got himself in, he should be looking for his best player, and he just doesn't even acknowledge that he's there. That's the worrying bit, and doesn't even see him. So, yeah, it's um, he looks a good player for Wolves. So that's why it was it off I messaging, but he's looked a good player for Wolves. But you know, in little spits and spurts at Liverpool, but for Portugal, he was, he was rubbish. I've, yeah, I, I definitely think it's interesting you said that still because I definitely think he intimidates them. I remember back when um, Henri was finishing his last couple of seasons at Arsenal and he used to jump up and down and scream at Fabregas and whatnot. In that first game against Hungary, there were two defenders there and Jota shot and Cristiano, was, compla- yeah. and Cristiano was complaining. But because of the angle, it was easier for Jota to shoot a goal than pass it to him. Because if he passed it, he would have got intercepted. So, you know what? It's one of the ones where he knows he wants the international goal scoring records. He, he has a right to be because he's a flipping legend. But it's just that I thought some of the moaning was unnecessary. So that next game against Germany, though Jota could have shot himself, you know fully well he was going to cut that back for <laughs> Cristiano to score because yeah. he didn't want to get cussed again. They showed the tunnel at halftime in the Hungary game and the Way Cristiano was looking jot up and down. Um, <laughs> I was in tears. It was like it was a piece of shit under his shoe. I couldn't believe it, bro. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So he's definitely intimidating the team. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see at the end of the day what Portugal could do. But I wasn't expecting much from them anyway. I've watched some of their qualifiers and Nations League games that haven't impressed me. And before coming into the tournament, Jota had six of these last seven starts. So I don't know why he's coming to this tournament and he's just not been with it. But I think partially, and um, some might not agree with me, but I think partially Cristiano is to blame for that personally. But that's just my personal opinion. Okay. Steve, Thorgan Hazard, what a goal. What a strike. But Patricio should should have saved that, I believe. You're on mute, mate. Oh, you there, mate? That's it. Um, what happened there? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you, I think you've probably seen the goal more than me. It's obviously a great strike, but for you to comment on, you know, the goalkeeping judgment or error, maybe he was blocked by the defender, but the, the ball seemed to move a little bit as them balls can. Um, yeah, and it was it was a great a, a, a great strike um, coming into the tournament quite nicely. Hazard's brother, obviously, he plays at a good level, but. It'll always be the brother get, that gets talked about first. But are you suggesting you think he should have saved it or just done better with it or been better positioned? What, what are you saying? I, I, I think it was a great height for a goalkeeper. And right. while it did move a bit, I don't think it moved enough to, to catch him wrong-footed. I think his positioning was all wrong. Um, wasn't on his toes. It was too slow getting across. I don't know. What do you reckon, Rod? Do, do, do you think... Yeah, it was like um, Ronaldo's against Barteses at Old Trafford. It went in halfway up the net <laughs> and about that far from the middle of the goal. So, yeah, the keeper just saved it. Do, do you not think Ruben Diaz should have done better on the goal? You can't do anything wrong for me. You're asking the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want your you know, shooter, have a, a shoot, you expect your keeper to so nice, it's, it's a wielding, it wasn't wielding, you know, it's something right, it was middle of the net. Because people are saying that the way his body was angled and the fact he put his hands behind his back, but the way the shot went, if that hit his hand, it would have been handball even though it wouldn't have been intentional. So yeah, I, no, I, I, I don't not, know. You know, it, you know, we look at the, 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 the Swedish goal you know, it's deflected off him and it's got in his knee. And no, it's, <laughs> you, you, you can't be too, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So Italy, Dan, good 2-1 victory over Austria. It was hard, hard fought, but Chiesa, the man who I've been relying on quite a lot in this tournament, turned up, scored a fantastic goal. Uh, you got him in your team, of you? Yeah. No, I don't have him in my team. I don't. But I, I had high hopes for him. Um, <laughs> I thought that was it. But hey, he scored. He scored the opener, and they scored a second. They're through to the next round. All right, Donnarumma had a good save to make. Anatovic had a goal disallowed. I don't think uh, this was much of a surprise to anyone. Italy going through, but forget the game itself. What do you think is going to happen that bout between the two sides, Italy and Belgium, two of the favourites? Well, before my before the tournament started, Italy were my tip. Looking at their, their route, etc., if they were able to win their group, the fact they played their games at the Stadio Olimpico um, in the group stages, they were my tip. Um, I probably fancy them, you know. Um, a lot depends on De Bruyne um, in Belgium sense, but I just think Italy, they've not lost under Mancini, have they? Like 32 or 33 games or something like that. That, that was the first goal I think they've let in about 12 matches. They've got the great centre-halves there, though um, obviously Chiellini's out now, so the Serbies in, and the Serbies are very good centre-half. Anyway. Yeah, Rod had Chiellini as his dream team, by the way. And, <laughs> and um, you've got Spinozola bombing on from the left, though he's right-footed. And I just like the, like the way they played. They were not great against Austria, but I think credit has to be given to Austria because I thought Austria were really disciplined. And I thought when that Anatovic um, goal went in, before obviously it was ruled offside, I thought they stuck to their game plan really well. They were disciplined and I thought they were quite professional. But just in the end, Italy just had the men to bring off the bench. Pessina got his second goal on the tournament. But as you said, it took a brilliant strike, great control finish from um, Chiesa. Um, to be able to give them the lead, but I just, I just, fa- I just fancy it. I just fancy it. I mean, for some reason, I just think that they've got enough there. If Immobile's not doing his job up top, they can bring Belotti on. Chiesa doesn't even start, and I'm a huge fan of Chiesa since I first saw him a few years ago. They've just got options. Locatelli was on the bench. Got, yeah, exactly. And Locatelli banged in two in the group stages, and he's a really good player. Getting linked to a bag of teams, he's done well for Sassuolo. As we've said, Pessina didn't start. Came on, got in second. Um, so his second goal, yeah, the second goal against Austria and his second in the tournament. And he wasn't even in the original squad, but they had some people pull out. I just like to look at it. I just like, I just like to look at it, Lee. Mm, brilliant. Now, let's talk about yesterday's games because that was fucking, that's a madness. <laughs> that's a madness. fucking madness. Croatia 3, Spain 5. Spain were 3-1 up. Croatia pulled it back to 3 or went extra time. Spain scored twice. Steve, what the fuck was going on, man? <laughs> oh, no. If you're if you're a coach, a head coach, if you're if you're Luis Enrique, the Spanish head coach, how many years do you age? <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna give him double lots of credit here for obviously winning the game, second game running scoring five, or you know, they had the, the bonus of the extra time minutes. But you think that when you have all but won the game and then the opposition come back against you like that you think that the momentum would have all been with Croatia in the team talk, in the extra time, in the early passages of it, but they seem to recover and, you know, there'll be a learning team, but they seem to recover from the fact that they basically got chinned and they ended up celebrating half an hour later with plenty to spare. So they got back off the floor to win. Um, now, obviously they'll have to learn how come they got put on their ass in the first place, but they got off the floor superbly to win and could have even scored two, three more. Um, without without sounding, uh, what's the word, facetious, I think there's a little bit of match-fixing involved because that opening goal... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he completely took his eyes off that one. You can tell the ball's coming towards you. He looked away. He's like... What, what, was, what, was, what was he doing, man? I didn't mean it. <laughs> Some brown know, paper but, bags. Yeah, but, but Dan, yeah. let's be honest, man. This isn't the Spain that we remember that won the you know, European Championships and the World Cup, you know, with your Puyols, with your Busquets, all these other players. You know, it's a, it's an... This isn't a, a team full of household names, but it looks like man for man as a unit, they're working very, very well. As Piliquetas come in, he scored yep. the goal. We've seen Ferran Torres, who had an up and down season for City, he's mm-hmm. excelled. Um, Morata, what's a goal? What did this come from? 
But again, Italy, sorry, Spain, much like Italy, Enrique's come in, and I think in the future, I think they're going to be brilliant because they've got some wicked youngsters as well. Pedri was really good again. He's just got, he can do so much with only a few touches of the ball. Gaia came in at left back, um, and they've just, they also can mix it about because he's got the experienced players there, but he's also made them more youthful. Um, in regards of um, some of the people he's put in there. But they surprised me because I thought they were passing it too much. Like, they had made at least, I think, three to 400 more passes than the next team in the tournament, um, the next um, best team in terms of passes in the tournament in the group stages. But when it was on the line against Slovakia, they stepped up in their third group game. And then here today, some of their defending was left a lot to be desired but I think it's because Enrique was a bit complacent because he thought the game was finished he was just making substitutions every couple of minutes and then it just went to pop because they weren't gelling the same and full credit to Croatia for pulling through but Spain's quality told in the end because they just had too much there but no they, they've they've surprised me a little bit I wasn't expecting that much from them um, but saying that on the way to the tournament they beat Germany 6-0 and Joachim Lowe had said he's not going to pick the older the older guards, but because they beat them 6-0, that's made him go back and get the Mullers and the um, Pummels back of this world, even though they're coming to the back end of their career. Well, not really. Mullers only 31, amazingly. But, um, so, no, Spain, Spain could do something. Spain could underestimate them at your peril, man. And if Morata is going to produce more finishes like that, then there's going to be a problem because obviously Enrique's preferring him to um, Gerard Moreno, who's had a brilliant season, 30-odd goals for Villarreal. But now Spain's, Spain, Spain is, they're decent, man. They're decent. And if they're getting a penalty shoot, at least they've got a goalkeeper that can take penalties, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Uh, oh, I, I can't wait for this one. France, three. Switzerland, three. For me, this was game of the tournament. Game of the tournament. Okay. It had everything. It had absolutely everything. And, you know, Switzerland going a goal up, missing a penalty, which ultimately was the turning point to a certain extent. France then going 3-1 up. Pogba with, again, contender for goal of the tournament. Yep. And then two late Switzerland goals to take it to penalty. Mm-hmm. Shoot out. And then um, what happened, Rod? Yeah, with the penalty, you know, we've seen the left backs with the finishing with Andy Robinson. You know, the left backs for a reason. So <laughs> you're talking about, uh, you're about Rod- Rodriguez, wasn't it? Rodriguez. Left backs, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Rodriguez, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you know, Switzerland fully deserved it, even though France. Did you expect that from them? Let's be honest, because you saw them against Wales. No, France were up. You expect the game's over. It's it's exactly like Spain. This is why you've got to give credit to to uh, who played Spain. Who played Spain? Is it Croatia? Yeah, yeah. That's where you got to give credit to Croatia through because they never give up. You think it was over, and it gets three or then you've got to give credit to Spain to regroup and then give credit to Morata for that. You know. to be credit, it's a, it's a very good finish. But the French, you know, they they look like they look like they're on fire at one point, and then you know, just poor defending, just just not poor defending, just not concentrating, and just slack of passing, and just yeah, clinical finishing by by the Swiss. And you've got to give credit to them because they were quite worthy winners in the end. Because if they did score that penalty, you know, they would have won the game easily. Yeah. And you know what? The French kind of, it was like a a reversal from their World Cup campaign because their World Cup campaign started really slowly. And as the the tournament progressed, they got stronger. But this one, they started strong against the Germans and they wilted against Hungary. The the Portugal game was effectively, well, let's let's play for a point because Mm -hmm. we're both going through. Mm -hmm. And then this one, it was like, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll get past Switzerland, no problem. Switzerland were the better team in the first half. Yeah. It, it just it just proves that you know you, you need your top players to turn up. You know, Pogba had a pretty good game, but it still wasn't enough. You know, you still need your your, your big player to turn up, and and that was Mbappe. And you know, 
he really should have had at least a brace. There was one where he's come on his right foot and he's tried to whip it in the far corner, but there's another one that on an easy one where he's come let across his body. You know, if he's if he's scored two or three goals in this tournament, he's whipping that in, no problem. It's just lack of confidence. And then the old, you know, injury. I've oh, I've missed it. I've got an injury, bit of a limp. Mm. So, yeah, it was. I felt sorry for some of the play, French players because they did play well. But you know, like I say, credit to Switzerland because they never get in, and the quality of finishing and they come up worthy winners in the end. Yeah, and as for the penalty shootout, blimey, every every one of Switzerland's penalties, no problem. And then your guy comes up, hundred and seventy-five million quid. You know what? You know what? Just when you you see when you analyze it, and you see all the French players before him, the referee blows the whistle, and they compose themselves for three or four seconds, and then they take it. It comes to Mbappe. The ref blows the whistle before even the whistle stops. He's off. Mm. Yes, it wasn't a bad penalty, but you know it was a savable savable penalty. Where the other four were unsavable. So. You know, it's just it just wasn't his tournament. You know, he's, he's got to regroup. It's just it's football. Two, three years ago, he was a World Cup winner. He's on top of the world, mm-hmm. and then the next minute, he can't score in a brothel, and he's missed the penalty, and his team are out. And mm-hmm. you know, the whole world's on his shoulders. But you know, these these things only build your character, make you stronger. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see if, if that's the case with him. In that case, when it comes to uh, the World Cup dream team that we do, what's the highest you're going to bid for him? <laughs> well, it was, it was because I had, I'd, I'd such a good squad, I had 203 million left to, to spend. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, listen, you, so, you were very, you were very well, just true. Just because I'm good, I, I, you're I, punishing I me for being good with my budget. <laughs> no, I'm not punishing you. I'm, I'm, I'm mocking you. That's the difference. Me I'm mocking you. Right, basically, because, you know, it's not real money. It's like monopoly money. <laughs> Nibble. <laughs> shout, 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 right. shout out Granite Xhaka, because I thought he was had a really good game. I thought he controlled the tempo of the game, and I think that's where Switzerland were able to kind of impose themselves on France. I think they won the midfield battle, which no one would have been expecting when um, Kante's on the pitch. So, um, full, full credit full credit to Switzerland. Yeah, no, if you, if you would have said, like, the start, the start of the tournament, the, the, <laughs> the star players, one of, some of the star players in the tournament are going to be Arsenal players. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and 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 that's why he's got a good squad and Grealish come on. He's obviously tired the right back out. I mean, the left back out, give him a torrid time and Grealish has come on and, and, and done the business for him. But, st- uh, well, any of you really, what was going on with um, France's formation? Because I know um, Hernandez had um, a hard time in their last group game um, going up, Nelson Semedo was running in ragged at times, but you can't tell me you can go in there with a 3 4 3 with Rabio out on the left and they think that's going to work. Then they tried to switch it up, but still Switzerland were onto them. So, me myself, I think Deschamps, as much as he great decisions in the World Cup, for it, I think Deschamps lost them this game in terms of there was no need to change the system. There was no need to change the system. No there was no need to play Lengler because he's shit. I don't care That's if he what, plays for Barcelona. The funny thing was before when we were talking about defenders, when Steve was saying about posh defenders, I was going to ask him about Lengler because when, even when he was at Sevilla still, I've never rated him. I've shit. never rated him. The cowardice defending on Severovic's header. You're bending down. The cross comes in, you're bending down. Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a joke. But see, this is the thing. When, when I saw the goal... <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be him to make a fuck up. <laughs> I, I knew. As soon as the ball came in the box, I'm thinking, he's going to he's gonna bottle it. Whatever it is, he's going to bottle it. So, let's be honest, Seferovic didn't even out-muscle him. He just out-jumped him. He, he just jumped. It wasn't even he used his arm or anything. He just jumped up in yeah. the air and headed the ball. Free header. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. 
oh, well, I think because he, he decided that, you know, the Swiss are going to go three at the back, I'm going to try and count that. It doesn't make no fucking, fucking sense. But hey, anyway, Steve, I'm not ignoring you. Karen Benzema, years out of the wilderness, scores two goals. Got to give him some credit in this tournament because I think he's been their best player, in all fairness. Well, you know, he, he is world-class. Um, Griezmann, yeah. Is he just about world-class? Or is he world-class? Who, Griezmann? Yeah, what is he? He's okay, class. Oh, oh listen, he, he was a better player at Atletico Madrid. Yeah, definitely. Without a shadow right. of a doubt. Um, but when you go to Barcelona, the levels of expectancy are up there. Yeah. But when, when you got Benzema there, you got Mbappe, yeah. there should be less pressure to perform. Well, who, who's world-class out of that? Because I believe Benzema can be, is a world-class centre-forward. Yeah. Probably yeah. because he's coming, you know, sneaking towards the end. You start to get that that title because you 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 know you, you you've got a backup story. Is Mbappe world class yet, or is he going to be? Is or is he world class now? But you see, that's a good question because again, people are going to slate me for this. But has Mbappe done it enough on the highest stage to be classed well, as world class? I mean, I'm talking like regularly. When you talk about the greats like R nine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, Every I'm thinking tournament the same. he would turn up. This guy. Yeah. Well, let, let's cover it, Stel. Mbappe is class. Griezmann is class. And Benzema is world class, in my opinion. But the formula seems to be that because of this, the French team just let them get on with it and nobody else runs towards goal. So nobody penetrates from midfield. Now, if you do that, as we've seen with England, you can slip balls into the penalty area or... At worst, the opposition will just go back into the penalty area and retreat. And that's where defenders make mistakes, like like uh, Dillard of Holland. But all of a sudden, you've got Kante. We know he breaks the game up. Uh, I've coached Rabio. He came over to Manchester City at under 14. So, um, you know, to see him on this stage, he's actually quite nice. But he plays like it's uh, charity football with Rod. He plays, <laughs> he plays like... He plays like there's nothing on it. He plays like there's nothing on it. He turns slowly, he's languid, he's graceful, he's nice. He's a class player, but it's all done at his own speed. And Pogba either shoots and puts it in the top corner from distance or, you know, you know, takes the ball and, 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 and looks talented and skillful. But nobody actually drives towards the 18-yard box of the opposition for France because they've got three in front of them who are actually good enough to do it on their own. But eventually... You meet your maker, and I believe that's what happened last night because, you know, they all got marked out of the game. Uh, they left, you know, they, they left themselves open to the draw, then get beat on, on penalties. I think they just leave it to so-called three class players and one world-class player up front to get on with it, and everybody just plays behind it. It's like they're waiting for a mistake, isn't it? And Switzerland never made any, so it was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's if it's going to be if it's going to be like that, even though they are class players, you've got four marking four marking three or three or five marking three, and a goalie behind them. So you know you, you're relying on absolute brilliance, which they're all capable of. But to ask these to do it time every week, week in week out, um, they'll go close to doing that. But it's impossible to do it every game, yeah. and you need some more some more moves and some more patterns of play, and just to disrupt. Um, the Swiss a little bit more runs from midfield with and without the ball, and I'm going to say, you know, like like England, you know, running from mid running from midfield. Phillips has, has, has done it in the first game and done it again tonight. Less so Rice, obviously, um, you know. And we've got you know Grealish, and we've got Sterling, and we've got Sacco picking the ball picking the ball up deep and running as hard as they can towards yeah. the opposition's goal. I just think France just let them three get on with it because the class, and I think it's actually arrogant, and I think it's cost them. And a midfielder that could have done that for them is Ndombele, who they didn't, yeah. even, who they didn't even pick. Take Kante out, take Kante and Pogba out. What are the central midfield options? It's all samey. There's a go to Liso. It's all samey. In the midfield, there's no yeah. one that Steve's saying to be able to carry the yeah. ball, beat a man. Well, to be and to be fair, you're spot on again because, you know, they, they did put Dembele on in one of the earlier games. Was it against Hungary or something? Yeah, when that was, yeah, when, was, when that was though, exactly and, what they and, and he spotted them into life and then got injured. Yeah, so he, like, shot, was, he yeah. shot at the near post. But it was exactly what they needed. But the truth is, it's what they actually need from the start of the game. Every game, they, mm. they shouldn't just... They should, th those three lads... 
they obviously need service and passage, but they also need a teammate to run and join up with them, if only to make the opposition's backline fragmented and make them make a decision. There you go. There you go. Yeah, right. So that is it. We've done it. We've wrapped it up. We've done the last 16. Now on to the last state, which I think we'll do... Shall we do Sunday night? Let's do Sunday night. Fuck it. Let's go with Sunday night. Because all the games will be done when, by then. When there are the games, Saturday and Sunday. As you know, we'll do Saturday, no, Saturday night. Saturday Friday. night. Friday and yeah. Saturday, yeah. Friday and Saturday. So we'll do Saturday night then. What, so the games are Friday and Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll right. do Saturday yeah. night then. Fuck it. We'll do Saturday night. So, yeah. Lovely, gentlemen. Thank you ever so much for your time. Gents, there you go. Minimal research required because it's all up here, I see. <laughs> Legit takes. People that know what they're talking about, yeah? Thank you very much. <laughs> what? Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, at Rod James Giggs uh, at Rod James Giggs and <laughs> no chuffs killer is my name this fucking guy yes <laughs> the Catford hey is, is Roger is Roger a drill artist I'm kind of intimidated by that name to be honest yeah that's the <laughs> fantasy team name well, send, him, <laughs> send, send, send him what you're wearing and he'll, he'll, he'll be right there won't he like, that's your starter kit Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, come on, plug your shit, man. All, all he needs is a bottle of Magnum as well. Good to go. <laughs> good to go. Good to go. Or Supermort in Stone Sketch. Swap your dog for a staff and you'll be all right. <laughs> um, my, this is my handle um, at double D dash D U B U L D double E. And I am, of course, part of the D D Football Factory at dd 40 factory underscore on Twitter, and we go live on On Top FM on a Saturday morning from 10am till midday. And download the TuneIn app, because that's the best app to listen, it, yeah, listen but, yeah, to it on. Because definitely. when you're from not from South London, you can't hear it. <laughs> Come on, you got to remember that. Come on, people want to know about the show, and then they tune oh, in to whatever well, station yeah, well, it is, and then they well, get, like, opera. But some or you people... get some, some Romanian channel. <laughs> No? <laughs> yeah, tune in Apple Simple Radio. Mr. Steve, I know you're not a social media guy, but thank you ever so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm thinking I might join that Twitter maybe in like 2033 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a trap. Yeah. No, well, Steve talks sense, so obviously <laughs> they, they, they won't like him talking sense on it. So and Rod know our Twitter is, they won't like it. So who does who does this guy think he is talking sense? We want, our, we want outrageous takes. <laughs> Good night, lads. Twitter is a playground for idiots. So that's it for another episode. We'll be back. So until next time, don't spend 170 million pounds on on a striker. Same. <laughs>